Isn't Jesus amazing? Only because of what He's done is why we're here this morning. Otherwise, we could just find other things to do and fill our time and worship at St. Mattress. But because of Jesus, everything changes. If you would, put up Psalm 91 on the board, or maybe we don't have anyone back there yet. Soon and very soon we will have. And uh, we're going to read it together. And then we're also going to look at another scripture together. And the reason I want to do this together this morning is simply because I want to stir you up that you stay in protection. That you stay in an environment of safety and security. Because that is only found in one place and that is in the Lord. You know, your best efforts aren't good enough to keep you safe. Your most insight that you can carry is not enough. You can't know enough. You can't study enough. You can't wash your hands enough. You can't use enough hand sanitizer, come on, to keep yourself safe. That's not where it's at. And if you've been putting your faith in that, then I, I suggest, I urge you, repent for putting your faith in something that is not the Lord. It doesn't mean you shouldn't use those things. Don't hear me wrong. But don't put your confidence in it. When your first thought is, is I need to wash my hand instead of the Lord is the one who saves and protects me, then that reveals something on the inside of you. And something you need to turn away from. And so, it is the Lord and only the Lord that keeps us. And you know, what? however you... Whatever faith you've been using for years to survive on this planet, of driving down the road to be protected from auto accidents, or from death by accident, right? Or by poison. Whatever faith it is that you've been using, whatever scripture you've been standing on to keep you safe in dangerous circumstances, those exact scriptures will also work for you in this time of COVID-19, or of viruses and flus, or cancer, or whatever it is. And so you and I, what we're going to do is we're going to release faith. And how do we release faith? First of all, we find Scripture because the Word tells us that faith comes from the Word. Hearing Hearing the Word, right? Because there's enough Word right here for all the faith in the world to do everything that needs done. But it doesn't do any good if it's not in here. So this is why the responsibility to us is to know what it says in here so that we can believe Him who said it. You remember when Paul went out and he uh, <laughs> he had he was a he was a uh, a prisoner and they were getting ready to sail to Rome and it was getting late in the year and and it was not a time to be sailing but the captain of the ship had decided he wanted to go because you know he thought he could still make it <laughs> sometimes we just can't know enough in our own. Maybe he had the weather report, and the weather report said, the almanac, right? Said this year, for these two weeks, this amount of time is usually nice out in the Mediterranean. We're going for it. But Paul had a word from the Lord, and by the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of him, and he warned them, and he said, don't go. 
Well, we know that they chose to go anyway because it got clear and the weather got nice and this is perfect to go. So they were like, because they were going by the natural, they were going by the seen, not the unseen. And so they take off and they set sail. And if you've read in the book of Acts, you know the story. They got into a lot of trouble. And man, I mean, they had a time where the wind didn't blow at all and they just sat out there. And and then the next thing that happens is a storm comes. And for two weeks, they are in... What kind of storm lasts for two weeks? 14 days, it says. I bet they'd wish they'd listen to Paul at about that point. And whatever God he was serving, because that one seemed to have known about this. Something happened along about the 13th day. And the Spirit of the Lord, an angel, came to visit Paul at night and told him, said this to him. Actually, I'll just tell you what happened during Paul. He, he begins to speak to them. He stood up among all these people and he says, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only of the ship. For this night an angel of God I belong to and serve stood by me saying, Don't be afraid, Paul. You know, that's always the first instruction, isn't it? When we come up against a dangerous situation is don't be afraid. And so, even now, that's our instruction is don't be afraid. Man, fear will dull your mind and you'll be thinking stupid and acting stupid. If you wonder why so many people are, it seems like they have lost all critical reasoning and logic is because fear has dulled their mind just like drunkenness will do. That's what it says in, in the Gospel of Luke. And so they began to, they, they've lost their critical thinking and they begin to act like drunk people would. They're not making logical decisions even. Here he says this. He says, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look. Look, I'm telling you this morning. There's people that you need to stand before yet. Your day isn't up. There's people that you need to stand before. There's people that you need to bring the Gospel to. It's not over for you. He goes on and he says, "Um, look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Wow, that's good news. It's called the good news of the gospel for a reason. So Paul says, therefore, cheer up, take courage, men. And he says this next line. This is where I was getting to. He says, I believe God. I believe God. Now what if Paul had stood up and said, an angel said all these things to me, and I don't believe it. Glug, 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 glug. They'd all been swimming with the fish. But the Lord is looking to and fro through the earth for someone who will take Him at His word. Someone who He is not a fantasy God to. Someone who will say, you know what? With you, Lord, I can climb a mountain. You've given me the feet of a deer. There's no problem too big for you. And He is watching for someone who will take Him at His word. He is watching for someone who will stand in the gap make up the difference stop the enemy from coming in are you willing to stand there for your family for those that are around you lift up in intercession those that are around you and put the enemy on hold 
He says, I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. It's going to be exactly like He said it to me. He goes, however, we're going to run aground at this certain island and He gives them some things and instructions that they have to do. With promises, there always comes instruction, doesn't there? There's always something required from us. So Psalm 91 is a psalm of protection, and and we haven't been reading it the last several weeks. When this whole thing with COVID-19 started out, we were reading it every week, and now we haven't for several weeks. So we want to do that again. If you would, put it up in the uh, Holman, and let's read it together. So just read with me. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. All right, let's, let's just hold it right there. You know, if you live and you dwell with the Father, if He's your abiding place, and you're never further away than His shadow, that's pretty close. That's pretty close, right? Like you're in His shadow. So that means you're either under Him or, or man, right beside Him. You're with Him. You haven't gone your own way. Listen, fear is not with Him. So if you find yourself in fear, don't be afraid of that. Just come out of it. Reject it. And say, I will not fear. Let's read. I will say to the Lord. Okay, who will say it? I will. I will. I will. Your neighbor's declaration doesn't do you any good. I will say. So, so it's your responsibility to say it. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Is He your God? Someone say, He's my God. There's the qualifier. He Himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, and the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come. <laughs> yeah, no plague's going to come near your tent, your house. For He will give His angels orders concerning you, to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will exalt him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life 
and show him my salvation. Yes. Paul said, I believe God. How many believe God this morning? I believe God. Maybe you think, well, maybe, how do I know that it's not my day to go today? Let me give you a revelation. Contrary to what you've been told, there's not a certain assigned day that is the day of your death. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's not true. Find me a scripture for that. Most people that will try to defend that doctrine, they'll, because it's a doctrine of devils, that's what it is, they will quote the verse that says, well, um, it's assigned unto men once to die. So that, that means that there's an assigned day you're supposed to die. Not true. Read it in the context. Read it again. Study that verse. It's saying it's assigned to die one time. Not the time of death. Mankind has been assigned to die once. And then the judgment. Not assigned a certain day to die. So you don't have a certain day that your number is up regardless what happens. You know, when I was a little child, I was a baby, uh, one and a half. My father had an auto accident. And um, the vehicle caught on fire. His foot was caught underneath the seat. He wasn't injured at all. He just couldn't pull his foot out. And the vehicle burned. And so they came. They had the fire out like 13 times. It just kept relighting. Uh, the fire trucks had actually took them a while to get there to begin with because they were off at another burning vehicle accident. And um, so they gave, you know, neighbors were giving him fire extinguishers and wet blankets and all these things and, and everything would just keep lighting. Eventually they get him out, they get him into the hospital and he dies the next day from all the, the burn, you know, he, was, he had holes like this burned through his legs. They would have had to amputate him at about the waist. And so... He died. And I was under the impression, I was told, I suppose, by those that just didn't know better, that because of what I was told, I'll say it that way, because of what I was taught, I believed that no matter what would have happened, my dad would have died that day. So I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. It took a lot of responsibility off of me. Because it doesn't matter if I'm skydiving, bungee jumping, or laying in my bed. If it's my day to go, I'll go. So I don't have to worry about anything. It was a nice way to keep myself out of fear. But it wasn't true. Put up Psalm 91.16 again. I will satisfy him with a long life. Do you know a lot of people that haven't had long lives? I do. My dad was 24. I had a cousin who was 16. I had another uncle, he was 24, my dad's brother. Yeah, like a curse, isn't it? And then um, when I was 23, I had an accident and um, flipped a vehicle end over end and rolled it several times. I'd fallen asleep. Yeah, I wasn't seatbelted in. And um, everyone, all the paramedics and emergency workers, they were all like, well, you, you should be dead. And I was astounded that I wasn't because I'd bought into the lie that like father, like son. Somebody, somebody here's life depends on what I'm telling you. During worship, the Lord said, I said, Lord, what do you want to do today? I have a message prepared. Because none of this is anywhere as close into what I'd planned to share this morning. 
And he said, I want to set something right. Okay, what do you want to set right? Someone's thinking. That's what the Lord said. So I thought, well, um, going back to when I had that accident, I'm 23. I remember driving down the road and, and just kind of in, in bewilderment and desperation saying to the Lord, why did I not die? You know, my uncle, my dad, and now me at this same age, why not me? And the Lord gave me some answers. And truth started coming into my life wave after wave. And starting to reveal the lies that I had believed about a time of death being assigned to you. So this verse that we had up here just a moment ago, if we can put it up again. Or let's just keep it up there for a little while. I will satisfy him with a long life. My dad wasn't satisfied. He wasn't wanting to go home. How do I know that? Well, he had all kinds of business endeavors that were just fresh. He had just started them. Someone that's satisfied and wants to go home doesn't do that. He was intending on staying around for a long time. He made steel trusses and trailers and hit a welding shop. And um, he even was lobbying very hard with uh, John Deere. At that time, um, wood splitters, hydraulic wood splitters weren't, didn't exist. And he had a prototype. He'd made, made several and then contacted John Deere and, and had been talking with them, putting together a contract to uh, manufacture wood splitters for John Deere. And uh, then after he died, interestingly, uh, John Deere contacts because they didn't know he'd passed away, of course, and, and had a uh, contract that they wanted him to uh, fulfill an order of hundreds of these things. And because he had passed away, of course, that didn't happen. Well, uh, in, unless it just happened recently now, John Deere to this day doesn't have a wood splitter. Interesting. <clears> that was just a side note. But I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Well, If you're not satisfied yet, then it's not your time to go yet. I mean, if you're 20 years old and you're satisfied and you're finished and you've... Jesus was 33. He wasn't long life, but He was satisfied and He had finished what He'd come to do. He was done. I mean, with the earthly walk part of it. He still lives to make intercession for you and I. I will satisfy him with a long life. You know, there's scripture too that says that you can lengthen your days. You can lengthen your days. How can you lengthen something that is set in stone in time for you? This is the day you're going to die. That verse wouldn't even be true. To be able to lengthen your days if you have an assigned day to die. So if you get into a problem, if you get into the hunter's net, if you find yourself surrounded by plague or in need of rescue, you know, he says here in this psalm, because, he, because he's devoted to me, because I'm his Lord, because all of these things, because he abides in me, I will rescue him. I will deliver him. So we have promise of not getting caught into the net. And if you look up and find yourself caught in the net and in need of rescue, well, then you have promise for that part of it. He ends it with long life for you. Long life. You know, in, 
Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. See, we live in a time where it's, it's much of Christianity today wants to live in a, um, Brother Keith Moore calls it a, a no-fault religion, meaning there's no fault on your part. Um, but really, I'm going to say it differently. We don't want to take responsibility. Much of the church world does not want to. We want to here in this house. But much of the church world doesn't want to take responsibility for what happens. And so when something out of their control or out of, let's say it a different way, out of their understanding happens, then it's easy to just automatically assign to God that, oh, well, He did it. And so when someone gets sick, well, I don't know, it's the Lord teaching them, people will say. The Lord must be trying to teach them something. Or if they die, well, that was just the Lord's time for them to go. Really now. So now the Lord's out there killing people. I mean, there is such a thing as judgment. Don't misunderstand me. And if you died because of judgment, well then, oh well. But if that's not what was going on, you can't say that a saint died and went to heaven and it was judgment. So if you think that person went to heaven, then we're probably not going to call it judgment. I mean, there are some nuances there, but we're not going to go into them right now. And so, for you and I, we're not going to just automatically assume that everything that happens, the Lord did it. The Lord's not the one who put COVID-19 here in the planet. He's not the author of sickness. Jesus set the record really, really straight when He said these simple words. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, and is He not a perfect representation of the Father? That's what Scripture says. He is the fulfillment. I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. There's no death in that. In Romans 8, in verse 2, it says that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and of death. Sickness is part of death. It came because of sin. So, if a tragedy happens, it wasn't the Lord causing these things. There is someone out there that steals, kills, and destroys. So don't automatically just assign blame to the Lord. It's out of our hands. It's Him. I'm not saying the individual is responsible for it happening either. There is an enemy who has a plan for you. And it's not pretty. So our responsibility is to walk in God's plan, which is a good plan. A plan of blessing. A plan to prosper you. That starts on the inside, in your soul. Still talking about you not having an assigned day to die. So if a drunk driver crosses the center line and kills a mother and her two children, that was just the Lord's will. So I guess it was the Lord's will for that drunk driver to be out drinking and get drunk. So it's the Lord's will that he sin? Let's say it a different way. If everything that happens is the Lord's will, if someone goes to a filling station and robs a filling station because everything else is closed right now, 
they got to go to the gas station. If they go to the gas station, rob the gas station, shoot the place up, kill three people, that was just the Lord's will? Absolutely not. Otherwise, that would completely absolve the shooter from the responsibility and sin of taking people's lives. He was just doing the Lord's will. I mean, if that's the case, if everything that happens, then Hitler should have the greatest mansion in heaven because he really followed the Lord's will. Great. I mean, it took a lot of effort. I mean, how ridiculous is this? I said it's a doctrine of devils. And it stinks. And if I seem angry, it's because I despise the spirit of death. It has robbed and stolen from me in so many corners. And did you know that in Corinthians, you know, some people, when, they, when, when people die, you know, I've heard people refer to the sweet spirit of death. Like, what, who are you serving? In, in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it's in 15, where they're talking about the resurrection, it says it calls death the enemy of Christ. And it's the last enemy to be put under, under his feet. Death is the enemy of Christ. So there is nothing good. Oh, you know, they finally sweet death came and gave them relief from that horrible cancer. Well, they certainly probably have relief right now. I mean, if they went to heaven, they have a tremendous amount of relief. Right? We can only imagine. So that's wonderful. However, it wasn't sweet death. In fact, we can stand at that grave and boldly say, Death, where's your sting? Because Jesus pulled his stinger. Here in Ephesians 6, let's read in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. In the Lord is there because that part's important. If your parents are requiring you to do something that is sin, that's not in the Lord. You don't obey that. Obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Now, he, he quotes from the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. This is the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? The promise is that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So apparently there's not a set date and time for you and I's death. Apparently by faith, by believing God, our day, by honoring our parents, our days can be lengthened and it can go well with us. Apparently, if we will just believe the Lord and do what He says, we can go all the way until we're satisfied. All the way until we're satisfied. Let's go to Psalm 23. Let's read that one together too. We were singing about it. All right, let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. See, there's the qualifier. There's the qualifier. The Lord is your shepherd. That means that you are His sheep. That means you are within... You're in the same pasture. You're with Him. You're not off doing your own thing. You're not out gallivanting around out in the thicket. That's where the wolf lives. But you're with the shepherd. He's your shepherd. You've identified Him. You hear His voice. You know His voice. You recognize His voice. The Lord is my shepherd. Who's willing to say that? There is nothing I lack. 
That's some pretty major prosperity right there, isn't it? I shall not want. The word want in the King James means lack. I shall not lack is what that says. Verse 2. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. You know, He has... In you, the Lord has a reputation to defend. His name's sake. You're His name's sake. You carry His name. You're His namesake. You know, when someone is named after somebody else, they say, well, that's His name's sake. Well, we're named after Jesus. We're named in the family of God. And, and so, for His name's sake, He defends you because you carry His name. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the darkest valley, uh, a lot of translations say the valley of the shadow of death. So that means death is right there. That enemy we were talking about a little bit ago. It's there. You're in the shadow of it. Remember being in the shadow of the Father? That if you're in the shadow... That means you could reach out and touch him. So that means death is real close. Close call with death, in the shadow of it. I don't fear no danger. He goes on here, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Didn't wait until the enemies were defeated and gone, just right in front of them. Let me, I, I, I don't like how I said that. He didn't wait until the enemies were out of sight. Because the enemies are defeated. You just have to take a hold of the victory that's been given to you. So they're already defeated. That doesn't mean you don't have a battle to fight. But you're fighting from victory. It's already been established. You have divine help in this battle. Is the devil the equal opposite of God? No. He's nothing. In fact, the day is going to come, the Old Testament tells us, where kings are going to line up and they're going to look at him and they're going to go, what? Is this the one that was terrorizing the nations? And they're going to be befuddled that he's nothing. Because see, his primary mode of operation is fear. Whoa, we really see this in the planet today, don't we? And then we find out, oh, well, it really wasn't that much to be afraid of. That's normal for him. That's, that's the lion's roar, but the lion's teeth and claws have been pulled. That's right. Now what's he going to do? Swat you? <laughs> Remember, Scripture says the lion, like the devil, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour. Someone say, he may not devour me. See, your faith coming out of your mouth is of extreme importance. You must speak it. Out of the mouth come the issues of life, is what Proverbs tells us. So out of your mouth, you need to speak the truth. And what is the truth? Well, Jesus is the Word, the truth, and the life. So as you speak the truth, the life, that is, it pertains to you. It's life for you. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You need to be saying what he said. 
Not what the enemy is saying. Not repeating the fear. Not repeating the latest news and gossip. But repeating what he said. Which verse will we read? Right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Goodness and mercy will pursue me. They're chasing you. Goodness, the goodness of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord. Have you ever needed mercy? Man, I've been so glad for mercy. So many times that, thank you Lord for your mercy. His mercies are new every morning, is what Scripture tells us. Yes, great is His faithfulness. His faithful love pursues you chases you and then it ends there with saying you know I'm going to live I'm going to dwell it's going to be your your place of abode in the house of the Lord as long as I live or forever is how some translations say it but you want the literal translation it says for length of days means to live long we often read that oh I'm just going to always stay in the house of the Lord no that's you're not reading it right I mean, that's great, do. But there's a reason. I'm going to live in the house of the Lord for length of days. It increases your life. It increases the length of your days by being in the presence of the Father. Because it's in His shadow where the protective shield is. Hidden under His wing. Sheltered behind His feathers. Some of you may not know this, but feathers have an amazing protective quality to them. As a young boy, I liked to shoot everything that moved and things that didn't move with my 22. And um, I used to like to shoot, try to shoot crows, you know. Them things, if they were far enough away, a 22 bullet will glance off of their feathers. Did you know that? It'll bounce off. A turkey. You can shoot a turkey in the wild, and depending on what you're using, their feathers will bounce a bullet off. That's why they teach you to aim at the neck and the head on a turkey. Yeah, I'm sure I didn't miss. I did do plenty of that too, though. (laughs) Certainly did. They also, crows can dodge a bullet. Did you know that? They, they probably actually don't dodge it. It probably just went whiffing by them and you, they're flying because I used to like to try to shoot them in flight. That's dumb. Don't do that. Because <laughs> that bullet went somewhere and I don't know where. But we lived in Nowhereville in Missouri out in the sticks, so thank the Lord it didn't hurt anybody. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah, he says. But yeah, they'd be flying along, you shoot them, they go <laughs> like they dodged it. I, I think they probably heard something fly by and they were like, what was that? I don't know, that guy's shooting at us again. Did you know crows are really smart? They can, they can, um, they have language to each other. They talk to each other. They, they recognize, if they've been hunted, they will recognize what a gun is. And they will tell other crows if it's a car or a gun, they have a different sound. I'm not lying to you. 
They could be all over the place. I walk outside and they just sit there and talk. And then when you come out with a gun, instantly they have a different sound and they are gone. It's amazing. That's all true. I read recently how in Wyoming they found all these birds along the road, all these crows, dead crows along the road. And they thought maybe they'd gotten like COVID-19. <laughs> and um, here they figured out they were being hit by cars. Yeah. And um, I mean, not cars, I'm sorry. It was motorcycles. They were being hit by motorcycles in particular. And they were wondering why. And they figured out that crows can only say car, car. They can't say motorcycle, motorcycle. <laughs> That one wasn't true, okay? <laughs> Somebody needed to laugh. Someone say, I am delivered from a spirit of death. I am delivered from the spirit of death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit of truth. That you are the revealer of truth. That you promised that you would lead us into all truth. So this morning, Father, I ask you to minister to the hearts of each one of us here with your truth. With your light. And Lord, if anybody here that has agreed with or, or bought into the idea that, that you have assigned a day of death for them. Father, I ask for you to illuminate this lie to them. And give them the understanding of truth that you have made a way to lengthen their days. That you have made a way to live a long, full life. A satisfied life. I thank you for this, Father. I just break off every spirit, every spirit of death or deception on this matter that may have attached to any individual here in the name of Jesus. I take authority over this. I don't permit you to lie to them anymore about it. You leave them alone in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask you for peace. Peace to come upon and within in a mighty way in Jesus' name. And with that, I need to read you a scripture. Let's go to Colossians. Verse 1 in, in chapter 3 of Colossians. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, you see this is past tense language. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. John, he, he quoted in worship this morning. He quoted, a, or during the songs, he quoted part of a scripture. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, so here in verse 1, if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above. Where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. We just broke off lies and deception on this thing about death of your mind. So in verse 2, now, now here's your instruction. Set your minds on what is above not on what is on the earth. For you have died, past tense, and your life is hidden, current tense, with the Messiah in God. I quoted a scripture earlier that says the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking 
seeking, looking for whom he may devour. Why is he looking? Because you're hidden. He can't find you. Because you're under his wing. You're hidden in God. He's like, where'd he go? He was here a minute ago, translated from darkness into light. Hidden. Verse 4, when the Messiah, who is your life, when Jesus, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Speaking of good things to come. Therefore, put to death whatever in you is worldly, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now you must also put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his practices. Well, he's been crucified. Don't resurrect that old guy. Put him in the coffin. Nail the lid shut. Get up, stand on the lid if you need to. Keep him in there. And put on the new man. That would be your new spirit man on the inside. Who is being renewed. It's being refurbished. It's being built up. It's being strengthened. It's being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of His Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Accepting one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a quarrel against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. This is how to keep your heart clean. Your conscience pure. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Be thankful. This verse, let the peace of the Messiah, the peace of Jesus. You were called to this in one body, the peace that passes all understanding. One scripture says that the peace that passes all understanding would guard your mind. Would guard your mind. So when the enemy wants to come and say your day is up, tell you a story. Shortly after we were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to walk in the understanding and power of the Holy Spirit, we were just new to these things and there was a, there was a whole lot that I didn't know. There's still a lot that I don't know. We're all learning and we're growing in this. And at the time, I, we were, um, let's see, Jen's cousin, a little Down syndrome girl, had passed away. And the funeral was in Kansas. We lived in Colorado at the time. And we were going to fly with her parents. Her dad owned several planes. And we were going to fly with him and one of his planes to the funeral the next morning. And that morning, I wake up in bed. And this is what I wake up to. I wake up to the sound of a, of a man's voice saying, This day thy soul shall be required of you. Oh. And I, my eyes are wide awake. Look around, Jen's not in bed. And 
she's over in the bathroom getting ready to go. And I said, did you hear that? Didn't I ask you that? She goes, no, hear what? Oh, must not have been an audible voice. But to me, it was audible. Because I, I was hearing in the spirit realm. This day, thy soul shall be required of you. Wow, I'm laying there going, Lord, are you telling me this is it? Am I done? And, man, I'm in fear. was right there, present. That's, a, that, that's always a sure giveaway right there. Now, understand that it's not, it's not just because fear is there, you need to weigh a few things. Because fear will also try to block you from receiving from the Lord when the Lord speaks. Okay, so you can't just say, well, because fear was there, it had to be the devil. No, but it's something to pay attention to. Because when the Lord speaks to you, peace comes. See, when Jesus is out there walking on the water, see, faith is not sight. If seeing was believing, then seeing Jesus on the water would have been enough for all the disciples to get out and sprint to Jesus on the water. Who can get there first? But seeing wasn't believing. In fact, they were terrified at what they saw because they thought they were seeing a ghost. Because, I mean, who walks on water unless it's frozen? So Peter says, you know, they cried out and Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I. And immediately peace comes to them. At least for a moment to Peter. Because Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come. What sane person says that? In the middle of a storm on the sea. But see, that's peace speaking. Fear doesn't say that. And so Jesus says, come. I can just imagine the the grin on his face. He's like, come. (laughs) So there goes Peter. He's out there walking. And suddenly... You know, maybe it's too dark to see Jesus except for when lightning flashes. I don't know. But he gets to looking at the wind. He feels the strength of the wind and he sees the height of the wave and he begins to doubt. And I don't know how fast he sinks, but it says he begins to sink. So maybe he was only ankle deep or knee deep or I don't know how deep he got, but he cries out to the Lord and the Lord saves him. My whole point in, in telling you that is there was fear present. Jesus spoke, the fear subsided. So much so that Jesus had, uh, Peter had faith to get out of the boat and walk. And it was only once he looked back at the natural element, the natural problem, that fear then came back in, which in the form of doubt. Okay, so the reason I said that to you was because when someone, a spirit being or somebody says something to you and fear immediately comes, you need to judge what is that. If the Lord's speaking to me, why is fear what accompanies the voice of the Lord? It's not. What accompanies the voice of the Lord is peace. So as I lay there and, and I heard that, this day thy soul will be required of you. And Lord, I mean, I was just fresh into a new way of thinking. And I had just come into the understanding that I don't have an assigned day of my death. And now the Lord's telling me that today's the day. You see, the enemy likes to quote Scripture too. That was his mode of operandum against Jesus. 
quoted Psalms 91 to him. What we read this morning, Psalms 91, quoted it to him. Come on, jump off the temple, Jesus. It says his angels will give charge over you and you won't dash your foot against a stone. Psalms 91. See, the enemy is trying to get him to prove who he is. It's an attack on his identity. Prove who you are. If you really are who you say you are, do this. So I'm laying there turning this over in my mind and trying to decide if what should I do? I mean, if you know this is the day you're going to die, you're probably going to live that day a little differently than you would if you weren't going to die, right? Maybe you make a few phone calls. Maybe you tell some people goodbye. Maybe you set some things in order. And suddenly other scriptures start bubbling up on the inside about long life, being satisfied with long life out of Psalms 91. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not satisfied, Lord. And then I remember something that Pastor Dale had taught me. You know, if you... If the Lord shows you something, maybe it's in a dream or something, if He shows you something, reveals something to you, it's so that you can do something about it. Okay, so if if the Lord told me that, then it's so that I can either prepare. That wasn't the Lord. Just the more I came back, I know the Lord's voice. That wasn't the Lord's voice. That was something different. It was someone trying to steal from me. And so... Other scriptures come about having long life and about lengthening your days. And I'm like, that cannot be the Lord. It it can't be the Lord who said that. Because that goes against other scripture. And since I'm not satisfied, then it cannot be today. And so I took authority over that thing. Said in the name of Jesus, I'm not dying today. I cancel your plan for me today. It's not going to happen. We're not going to die. And I'm going to live a long life in the earth until I'm well satisfied. So we, uh, well, I'm still here, aren't I? (laughs) Some of you are looking at me like, how did it turn out? So what happened that day was we went and we got on the plane and we flew to Kansas. And um, as we were descending, we got into some real thick soup of of clouds and and water. And ice starts building up on the plane and starts building up on the wings. Now, this was a a plane that you can fly into known icing conditions. But even those planes have their limits, you understand. They're only to buy you a little bit of time to get through it, not to abide in it. All right, that's how those de-icing things on the planes work. And uh, I'm watching the, on the wings, I'm watching the ice build up and the ice build up and I'm watching the de-icing mechanism on the front of the wing. It's a little bladder, rubber bladder along the front of the wing that they puff it up with air so it expands a little bit and pops ice loose is what it does. Because as ice builds up on an airplane, it changes the shape of the plane and now the plane loses lift. Because it's shaped a certain way to create lift so it can fly. Well, if that shape changes and suddenly you have lift going down instead of up, you know, you crash. You become a flying rock. And um, I'm watching the ice build up and I'm watching the bladders working. But the ice has formed on the... It's it's formed in like outside of the range of the, uh, the little bladder that expands and... 
releases. And, and I'm looking at that and realizing this is not good. Well, I'm not going to scare anyone else about it, but I'm hearing in my head again what I'd heard that morning. And I'm like, oh no, you don't. Oh no, you don't. Father, I thank you for life. I thank you for long life. And right now I just speak to this ice on these wings and I break you off in the name of Jesus. We're going to land this plane. There's not going to be any destruction of property or life in the name of Jesus Christ. And I just kept on praying under my breath like that. I was even praying out loud. We landed and like I said, I'm here. There was no incident. The peace of the Messiah, which you are called to in one body, will control your heart. Will control your heart. When the Lord speaks to you, there's a peace that's going to accompany it. You know, it is possible that the Lord would tell you in a situation, don't go out today. Don't go there today. Yeah, but Lord, I wanted to go there. Just peace. You better stay at home today. You know, obey that. Or maybe He tells you, go a different way. I've driven so many different ways by the prompting of the Lord on the inside. Just that little nudging. Don't turn here today. Keep going. Did it last night, in fact. No idea why. Most times I don't find out why, and that's how I want it. There are some times I know why. Follow that witness on the inside. Pay attention to that witness on the inside. That's going to guide you. It's going to lead you. And when I told you all that about the hearing a voice saying I was going to die, is just because sometimes the devil comes. I, we started this out by saying someone believes the lie that you have an assigned day to die. And in that case, because I was just getting free from that, he tried to come and convince me with an audible voice. And I really think, I honestly believe, if I had believed it and just bought into it, not taken authority over the situation, probably we'd all be dead that we're on that airplane. So, measure on the inside. Peace or fear. And sometimes when the Lord tells you to do something, you know, Jesus was very quick to always say, don't be afraid. Because He knew that was something that Anytime that something looks hard in the natural or impossible in the natural, the temptation to fear will be present. And so you have to discern on the inside what's going on and check it against the Word. And then make your move in faith. Well, yeah, I know there's danger out there, but I believe that I'm obeying the Lord by doing this. You know, I've said this before, but it's only in the going that you qualify for the protection. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, in Mark 16, he, he, meant, he made that comment, Jesus did, about you're going to go and you're going to cast out devils, you're going to speak in new tongues, you're going to pick up snakes, you're going to drink deadly things, it's not going to hurt you, the snakes aren't going to hurt you, you're going to lay hands on the sick, they're going to get well. He, he made the comment, those things are things of protection. That you can go into a demonic situation, you can go into a situation that is dangerous, and in your going, because of the Gospel, you are protected. You need to put your faith to that. It's not automatic protection. It doesn't just happen. Well, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. No. 
The Lord's will doesn't automatically come to pass. If it did, everyone would go to heaven. Because it's His will that everybody go to heaven. But because mankind has a will to choose, and they can make right choices or wrong choices, again and again in the Old Testament, the Lord said to the Israelites, I set before you a choice, now choose this. But they had the right to choose something different, and then it went wrong for them. So don't think that just because something happens, that was the will of God. Very clearly not the case. It is contingent upon our actions, our faith, our belief. We never pray for somebody and say, um, Lord, save them if it be your will. Lord, bring them into the kingdom of light. Save them from hell if it's your will, Lord. Because we know what the will of the Lord is. Scripture tells us. It's His will that none should perish. So we pray with faith and conviction, Lord, send someone to minister to that person so that they can be saved. Father, open their heart to understand and receive truth. Right? So we pray confidently in line with the will of God. Well, same way on this whole deal with long life. You can pray confidently and in your going with the Father, abiding with Him in His shadow, under His wing, you can be confident of protection. Jesus sent the 72 out. Go out, heal people, preach the gospel about the good news of the kingdom. Cast out devils. Those were the things He told them to do. Well, they come back and they are like, yay, man, the devils are subject to us, Lord. This is in Luke 11. And he says to them, well, yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. Like, almost like he thought they should know that. And then he said, Luke 10, I'm sorry. Not 11, Luke 10. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now we know that he did not tell them to go out and pick up snakes or play with scorpions. So he's not talking about physical snakes and scorpions, although if those were going to damage them, they have protection from those as well. But he is referring to demonic spirits as snakes and scorpions. Designs of the enemy. Plans of the enemy. Just like he does in Mark 16, where he says, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. And if they pick up anything or drink anything deadly, it's not going to harm them. If they handle a snake, it's not going to hurt them. Same thing, talking about those demonic things. He says here, now look, here's where, where I wanted us to look. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. That includes death. Nothing will ever harm you. So it was in their going that they qualified for this protection. Nothing will ever harm you. Use this Scripture as you go out into places that have possibly sickness that you don't want to pick up. Nothing shall by any means harm me. And furthermore, the power of death, Scripture tells us that Jesus took away the power of death from Satan 
and, and the power of death, if you'll read the Scripture and look at it, you'll see that it wasn't the ability to kill. It was the fear of dying. Because in the very next verse, he, he says that. Those people that were kept in the bondage of fear of death. That's the power of death. If you're not afraid of death, death has no power over you. Like, if you're not afraid of it, it has no power over you. So, now that you've been given truth, you can still believe the lies and go home early. You know, for all those people that, like my dad, you know, he didn't know any of these things that we're, we're teaching. He was of the persuasion too that when your day to go is here, it's here, and everything that happens is the Lord's will kind of persuade. He didn't believe that, but he thought he believed that. He would never have believed that it was someone's will that, I mean, it was the Lord's will that someone sinned. He wouldn't have believed that. Just when something happens that we didn't deliberately choose, he would have thought that was the Lord. That's how I was taught and raised. And so, you know, he went home early. He's with the Lord. We'll have the rest of eternity together. He's in my future. We missed out on a short time together here. But he's ahead of me. He's there. And once I arrive there, full of age and satisfied, he'll be like, wow, you're here so quick. It was just yesterday I left. God's will doesn't automatically happen. We have to release faith for it. And I started this out by saying, you know, we don't pray for someone to be saved if it's your will, Father. Because we know what His will is according to the Word. And the reason I bring that up is because you cannot have faith for anything if you don't know if it's God's will. It's impossible. Because faith comes from hearing the Word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. That means you know the will. You can't have faith for long life if you don't know it's promised to you. But long life may not just automatically fall on you if you don't have faith for it. It might. There's plenty of people that live old that aren't even believers. That don't have their faith in the Word of God. But certainly you putting your faith in these promises, can avoid the plan of the enemy altogether for yourself and walk in longevity and health and life in peace. The one who wants to love life and see good days. See good days and long days. Must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it because the Lord... The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their request. Well, if there was just an assigned day for you and it didn't matter, then it wouldn't, prayer wouldn't matter, would it? If prayer doesn't change anything, why pray? So we started out by saying, let's put our faith in the Word for protection. You know, if you've been in the fear, if you've been, been limiting what God can do in and through you because of fear or because of believing lies of the enemy that your time is going to be cut short, just you know, get rid of that entirely. We've not been given a spirit of fear, 
but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Did you have something you wanted to share? Yeah, I've just had something percolating, I think, even since yesterday. Um, I think it's for more than one person here. Several of you individuals are in particular walking through something. Um, But Jill, I have had this, your name keeps coming up. And this is it. You are well able to lay hold. You are well able to obtain. You are well able to take the land because he gave it. He gave us the land. And he's with you. He's right there fighting you as you take battle by battle. He's walking it with you. But you're able. So step out in faith. Grab a hold of it. Don't be denied. Um, come. Is it on? I think it's on. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Shawnee. I was born and raised in South Africa, and uh, through the Lord's grace and mercy and his wonderful plan for my life, I married an American man, and here I am in America nine years later. What many of you probably don't know is I grew up in the Lutheran denomination, and so my whole life I was taught some truth, but there was much I was not taught because they didn't know and they don't know. And before I was even born, um, I believe that the enemy had an assignment, just like God has an assignment and a plan for us. And so from very young, I believe that the enemy's intent was to kill me. I was born early, a sibling before me died before being born. And my biological father, unfortunately, through a lot of hurt in his life and an assignment, I believe, against him, dabbled in the occult. And this affected me from birth. I had demonic nightmares from a young age. My life consisted of horrible fear. It's a fear that I cannot even describe to you. And it's from the pit of hell. It's not from God. Fear is not from God. And I remember age seven, I was in the kitchen one day and a voice told me, take that bread knife and impale yourself. I was seven. I'd never heard of taking your own life. And that made no sense to me. Why would I, I don't don't even know, but a voice told me to do that. When I was 15, 16 years old, well, my parents divorced when I was very young because unfortunately my biological father could not be lived with. And so my mom left, she did the best she could. She raised my brother and myself as a single mom for many years. But we would go visit Leon, my biological dad, a few, you know, over the years periodically. And when I was six, 15 and 16, we went to visit. Both visits, he was trying to convince me that Jesus wasn't real and that I was believing a lie. And when I wouldn't budge and listen to him, he cursed me and he told me that I would be murdered, that I would be killed. I don't believe he knows what he said to me. I'm sure he loves me. He's my earthly father. He did the best he could. But I remember living most of my young adult life without assurance of salvation, thinking I had to measure up, thinking I had to be a good girl so people and God wouldn't reject me. I was so afraid of everything. 
when I was 16, what was, was 17, some believers from Germany came to my aunt's house and they prayed for me and they prayed over me that day and I was set free from a spirit of fear that day. But it took another three years before I actually received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. See, I thought as a, as a good Lutheran girl that because I go to church every Sunday, maybe I'll make it into heaven. Maybe God will be gracious to me and maybe I'll go to heaven. But I never had that assurance. Until at 19, I went to a first year's camp at Varsity. And I had the opportunity to pray out loud and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The fear I used to deal with left. The nightmares left. It all left. Did it try to come back from time to time? Absolutely. I had to be careful what I looked at, what I listened to, and who I surrounded myself with because the fear would come back like that. It's a spirit, and I had to keep the door closed. So I want to encourage you, if you've ever felt that, well, can I have the assurance of heaven and salvation? Absolutely. It's your decision. Jesus already did everything he could do. He did it. It's there for you. It's the free gift. But you have to accept it. Does the enemy have an assignment? Yes. But we do not have to bow to it. To be very, very open with you, my family all still live in South Africa. And since COVID hit, I have really had a stand and my husband has had to help me stand and not get into fear. It's really bad in the natural in South Africa. There's white genocide happening. Family and friends have been murdered around us over the last 20 years. I have lived in a country where your government does not stand for you. They are against you. They're out to get you. And this is not a conspiracy theory. And I've had to really hold on to the word and say, Lord, you have not given me a spirit of fear. And I'm not going early. And I can stand for those. I can stand in the gap. That has been my prayer, Lord, that we would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. We have that authority, but we have to say it. We have to speak the word. So twofold, I want to encourage you, if you deal with fear or not being sure of your salvation or not knowing if your life will be long and full, it can be we can pray with you and I want to assure you there is absolute assurance in Christ that you can be free and fear does not have to control your life and so very real for me right now every day I purpose to stand on the word for my family in South Africa whom I cannot help in the natural but I can pray for them and if I don't see them again on this side I know I will see them there but that does not mean I sit down and cower the enemy is not allowed to win any more ground and I will do whatever it takes for my own life, but for my fellow Americans and for my fellow South Africans and everybody in the world, that we can know that we have a king who never leaves or forsakes us. He is with us, but we have to do our part. It is so important. So please know you can be set free from whatever, whether it's fear, whether it's thinking you might leave early. I used to believe that I was convinced I was gonna die an early death. Praise the Lord, I've been set free, and I will live until I am fully satisfied. Blessings to you.
I trust that the Lord ministered to you today, gave you a newfound confidence, a stirring up within yourself of believing what He said. I believe God, like Paul said. I believe God. It'll be exactly like He said. Father, I thank You for Your truth today. Thank You, Lord, for the protection that You've promised. And we just stand in it firmly right now, Father. Thank You that You've given us a place to shelter in You. (laughs) We're going to shelter in place in You. Going into the uttermost part of the world, sheltered in You. Father, that's what we're going to do. That's our commitment. That's what we look for towards and our face is set father as is our faith we're confident in your word lord that you said that we would be protected as we go and father that if we find ourselves in a place that needs rescued that you would also do that thank you for your mercy for places where we have become dull or slow of faith that you've had mercy on us Thank you, Lord, for your love that is faithful, your compassion that brings the grace that we need to continue to be full of strength. Thank you for your spirit of truth. Lord, this week as we go, I ask that you would overshadow us in a special way. That a boldness and a strength would come as we abide with you. That a new way of seeing things, just plain seeing, Lord. That seeing would come as we abide with you. I thank you for this. Thank you, Lord, for the little ones that are in the house today. For those that are new in the faith or new to life. Lord, that the assignment and calling that you have in and upon them will be fulfilled, that their lives will not be cut short, that every person here will walk into the destiny that you've created them for. And as the psalmist said, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. To go this week and declare the works of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Preach the good news of the kingdom. Freedom from bondage. Peace and love will be your guide. We invite everyone to join us downstairs. And uh, we have a time of refreshment and encouraging each other. Loving on one another because it's one way that we love God. Good morning on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We have so much to rejoice and so much to be thankful for. Welcome, CWI here at Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I said that right. (laughs) I'd like to encourage you this morning in our worship time together in Psalms 111. It says, I will exalt the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord, 
They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. Hallelujah. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption, glory to God for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. When you receive, when you got born again, you start at your eternal clock. So let's all stand together as family. He deserves your eternal praise. So let's, this morning, just set yourself, put everything at the cross, and get your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And let's just lift our eyes and our hands and worship the one true only God our Heavenly Father. Let's give them all the praise, all the all worship, the and all the thanks. Amen. Let's just do that right now. Let's begin that right now. We give you glory. Amen. We give you glory. We bless your name, God. think any kind of weird thing is going to attach itself to the to the life of Christ. If it comes on your body, it's just going to die and fall away. Don't look at me in that tone of voice now. That's the way it is. Amen. Jesus. It's all you, Jesus. Nothing we can do in our own strength is just you. You provided for us. You took care of things. By every stripe you took on your back, we're free. We're free today because whom the sun sets free is free. 
Okay. I'll let Sid do the preaching. You make me lie fields of green. You lead me by the still waters. You restore righteousness to me. Though I walk through the righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows Surely, goodness and mercy, they'll follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. I think of his willingness to do the Father's will. Everything the Father asked him to do, he did it. He spoke it. He thought it. He was completely submitted to his Father. And he learned obedience by the suffering. See, he had flesh like you and I. He came down on the earth, God himself, and took on flesh and blood. And he did that legally to take back everything that the devil stole from the original human beings, Adam and Eve. He legally did that for you and I, but also he gave us an example, a path to follow in flesh and blood, operating by the same Holy Spirit that you and I have today. He showed us the way. He said, you can do it. You can do it. And now we have the risen Christ living and dwelling within us, the mystery that has been revealed of all the ages. Christ in me. Let's say that. Christ in me. The hope of glory. 
See, you have that hope of glory living within you right now. You have the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had as he walked upon the earth. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't let the devil lie to you saying, no, you can't, or no, you can't do Yes, you can. You have all the power, all the tools. You have the written word, something that the uh, Old Testament didn't have. We have everything available to us to overcome like the risen one. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Because he lives, because he's alive. And because he lives and alive in me, we can overcome too. Hallelujah. Say, I'm an overcomer. overcomer. I walk in victory. I walk in victory. Because Christ in me. Because Christ. The hope of glory. The hope and glory. I can do all things. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. That's the truth. So grab hold of that truth. Receive it. Love it. Live it walk it hallelujah glory to god well one way we love god in this house and boy we're great lovers in this house aren't we don't you feel it i felt like the father was up there scooping up this love this morning one way we love god is by showing it to other people so turn to your neighbor tell them you love them and you're glad they're here children may be dismissed hallelujah christ to me the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with one another this morning. Good to see all the smiling faces. Well, do we have anyone here for the very first time this morning? We'd like to welcome you. If you're here for the first time, raise your hand. And uh, we'd like to, over here we have some. Welcome to CWI. I trust you'll be blessed this morning that you aren't here by accident. The Lord has something to get to your heart this morning. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithes and the offerings to the Lord this morning. Hebrews 11.4 says... By faith, Abel offered to God. He offered an offering to God in faith, by faith. So you can give an offering in faith, or you can give an offering and it not be in faith. You can just put something in the basket or do something and, you know, and it not be in faith. Well, we want to be in faith in all that we do. Well, how do we do that? How do we give an offering in faith? Let's read verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. It is impossible to please him. No way of getting around that. You want to come to God? You want to offer him something? You want to do something for the Lord? Anything. It must be in faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. See, one way we draw near to God is with an offering from a heart of love and faith. You know, you see that a lot of times in the Old Testament. If you look at through the Old Testament, you'll see that, well, they sought the Lord and they came to the Lord with an offering or they came before the Lord and brought an offering or you you, you see that over and over. Well, the greatest offering you can give the Lord is you, your heart, because if he has your heart, 
He has your time. He has your worship, your praise, your finances, your resources. So what does it say again here in verse 6? Whoever would draw near to God must do this, must believe that he exists. Now, I know that seems real basic. Oh, sure, we, we're sitting here in church. Of course we believe he exists, and I believe you do. But, you know, if you're not careful, you can grow up in Christianese. And you can, you know, well, mom and daddy always said, and well, yeah, we just always believe. But you need to have heart revelation that you serve a living God, the great I am, the creator, and he created you, and he lives within you, and, and he is alive. You got to believe that. Oh, and there's an end. And, so believe he exists, and that he is a rewarder. He's a responder. You know, you do something in faith, you bring him an offering, give him, maybe you step out in faith and it's like a stretch to you, but you did it in faith because you know he prompted you that you need to believe and and have faith that he's going to respond to that, that he's going to meet you there, reward that. See, God is a giver, not a taker. He is not a taker. I know a lot of the church world would, would seem to think that from the way they talk, but he's a blesser and he wants the best of the land for you. All right, so we're giving this morning, believing that he exists and that he is a rewarder. Believing that with, with our offerings that the kingdom of God is advancing, that we're helping his people, we're doing his work, accomplishing his work because we love him and his ministries. Amen. All right, well, let's, let's pray over the offering. Let's pray over our tithes. Father, we're so grateful to you this morning that you are alive, that you're living, that you live within us, that we're not here as orphans, that you move among us and that you've never forsaken us. So we are grateful for what you've entrusted to us. We're grateful for the resources and the money, the finances you give us. So we return the tithe cheerfully to you and we just give you all the praise and all the glory and we thank you that you're true to your word and that our needs are met in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give to the Lord.